Blue 42! Blue 42! Hut! Hut! Hike! This is the Game Managers Podcast. The Internet's one and only sports podcast. Breaking down college football's biggest games, latest news, and greatest moments. Are you ready? Because it starts right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Game Managers Podcast, where we talk SEC football and basketball each and every week. I'm Nick Norris, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Justin Knight. Hey, how's it going? Justin, this is a huge episode. We are previewing the Alabama-Georgia rematch on the biggest Mm. stage, the CFP National Championship in Indianapolis. Yes, I am. I am thrilled. I am mm. so excited for the game. <laughs> you oh, can't get enough be, of it. It's going to be incredible. Oh my! You've gosh. been begging me all day. Can we please just record already? Can we please record already? Because you just can't wait to talk about this. I mean, I've been so excited to talk about probably my two favorite teams in all college football. <laughs> and, you know, they just could, could go at it again. One, I mean, it seems like we don't get enough of it. So mm. I'm so excited to talk it again. For those who are new to listening, uh, Justin is very much an Auburn fan, and he is uh, very much uh, upset about this game this Monday. Yeah, there's a part of me that really doesn't want to watch it at all. Um, but, of course, there's the other part that's just like, uh, you love football too much, you're going to watch it anyway. So that's I'll right. be watching it. I'll be watching the pregame stuff as well. Um, so I'm, I'm stuck with it. That's just the sad thing about it. we just got to deal with it once again. But, well, hey... <laughs> Maybe we'll get Caleb Williams or something. Hey, cross your fingers out there, guys. (laughs) We are going to talk about what Alabama must do to win and what we think of their odds, the fanfare surrounding the game, much more. But first, we need to talk some news from the week, my friend. So let's get into that. All right, first off the board, former Auburn National Championship winning coach Gene Chizik will be assistant head coach of the defense for North Carolina. This comes after he was considered to be the head coach of the USFL's Birmingham Stallions. He uh, apparently either turned down that position or was not offered it, and he took this one instead for probably more money. Yeah, I was about to say probably a lot more money to be assistant of the defense than head coach of a new football conference that may not even make it a season. So, yeah, I would definitely go for the... Um, college job, and who knows, maybe he'll get another chance at other schools after taking this job if he does a decent job at it. We'll see. Well, there are some other former uh, college and pro coaches uh, considered for teams in the USFL. These are uh, including Todd Haley, Kevin Sumlin, uh, Mike Riley, and Bart Andrus. So um, I don't know if any of those guys are confirmed yet. I haven't looked into it. I don't really care about the USFL yet. <laughs> I'm yeah, sure I, I don't either. I have no interest. I mean, yeah. you know, we we both really love football, um, but that does get to a point where I do kind of appreciate the off season because I get to go into basketball and baseball and get my time with that, um, and then it gets me excited for the next season because you get that waiting time. You're like, man, I haven't had football in a while. I can't wait for the first game. Yeah, um, I really I think don't. They're... I don't want any more. Yeah, I think there there's already a bit of an oversaturation in the market. I mean, 
because there's so many games on, a lot of times people don't know which ones to watch anyway. Oh, yeah. I think having that break is kind of important to maintain interest. Maybe I'm totally wrong, but, uh, you know, th- well, either mean, way, this isn't a long season. It'll be over early summer, so, but... I don't, um, I don't think you're wrong because the leagues they've tried the past couple of uh, years, they just haven't worked, so something's not adding up. I know you could say maybe bad ownership, you know, going bankrupt in the middle of the season, you're not doing something right, maybe. Yeah. Or it's just, and then you had, what was it, the, um, you had the other league that was shut down because of COVID. Maybe that could have worked out. I don't know. Um, but it, to me, it just looks like it's adding up as, look, it's just not working out because you're still competing with other sports that are in their prime. I mean, you got March Madness. Like I said, baseball is starting up. So, you know, it, it's tough. Well, I'll tell you who else is having a tough time right now, Justin, and that is the mm. University of Hawaii. Mm. Uh, they are in an absolute mess. I've been looking forward to kind of talking about this all morning. <laughs> it's a terrible situation. I'm not excited to talk about the, the the bad things going on. This is just something that snuck up on me. I'd, I hadn't heard about this until this morning, um, but Justin, Hawaii, after going 6-7 and seven this year, They've had 19 players, <laughs> including the starting quarterback and team mm. captain, uh, Siobhan Cordero, Cordero, I believe is how you say that, I'm sorry, a Hawaii native, as well as the coach's own son have entered the transfer so, portal. Yeah, so you have the team captain quarterback who's a Hawaii native saying he doesn't even want to play there anymore. That's, I mean, that should say enough. And then your own son doesn't even want to play for you anymore. Um, <laughs> that should be the nail in the coffin. But apparently well, not. This is what you're telling me. Yeah, so the reason all these players are transferring out, allegedly, is that head coach Todd, Todd Graham, uh, he has been uh, alleged by former players and parents of extreme toxicity and uh, some instances of abuse uh, made during his coaching tenure. Um, apparently, the way he treats starters as opposed to non-starters and walk-ons is extreme the differences to say the least (laughs) there are some examples not going to get into all those um but it justin it got so bad with all these transfers with all these allegations that they had a state senate meeting called (laughs) to uh, i believe it was this morning or yesterday morning i'm not sure to address the issues um leonard lee he's a defensive back who was recently removed from the team after previously speaking out about some of these issues. He was kicked off because he spoke out, uh, said during the Senate meeting, he's hands down the worst guy I've ever met in my life. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, the AD and coach were absolutely grilled for ne- nearly three hours. Uh, at the end of the hearing, the AD, David Mart- uh, Mart- Matlin, sorry, was asked if he planned to fire Graham and he said no, even if they had the money to afford his buyout, that he they wouldn't. Wow. The thing is, though, with these allegations, he could be fired with cause. You don't, you wouldn't have to pay him anything. Now, I wonder um, what kind, what's going on behind the scenes. What kind of you know funny business is happening that you're like, look, I'm still not going to fire him, even if we had the money to get rid of this guy. We're still keeping yeah. him, even if he beat players and we had the money. We'd keep them. Do you know what the buyout is if they were to fire him without cause? It's probably nothing. What is it, like $2 million? $1.275 million. Yeah. 
Which, to be fair, is the most that Hawaii has ever paid a coach. But for a, for a university, that's kind of pocket change. I mean, yeah. That's... I mean, Hawaii, I'm pretty sure they still make pretty good money as a university. Yeah. Um, so that shouldn't be an issue. Well, Graham and Martin denied a lot of the allegations, but they did not deny all of them. They, uh, I think the quote by Matlin was something along the lines of, well, some of the stuff said today is not true. <laughs> so, that's that's insane to me that they he's not even considering firing this guy. Yeah, there's something going on to where, or or the coach has something on the AD there that he's like, look, I can't fire him, or some other stuff's going to come out. So, yeah. Hmm. Well, moving on into other news, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars plan to interview Alabama offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien for their head coach vacancy next week. I don't know. Is this the move Jacksonville Jaguars need to make? I guess it's safer than Urban Meyer, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, the only... Like I said, you can look at Bill O'Brien. You can look at what he did at the start with the Texans. He turned that program around. That, uh, that organization did pretty good. You know, took in playoffs, made some decent runs. But then you can see what happened at the end, and he pretty much put it in shambles and trading all these people away... And there's a lot of issues with the players. Um, I mean, he traded he traded away uh, Hopkins for like some fourth or fifth round picks. David like, Johnson, <laughs> right? Isn't that who yeah, he got for him? Like, yeah, D Hop for David Johnson. Yeah. Um, so there's that issue there. Um, I, I mean, I think it's fine to interview him and see. He probably wouldn't do an awful job, but I don't think he's going to be the guy for it. But then again, I mean, like I said, he's he had success. Um, in the beginning, like not at the end. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think. There's plenty of other guys. I, I saw they are interviewing. Um, I think it was uh, the Bucks uh, OC uh, Leftwich, the former quarterback, um, which he'd be a good hire too. Uh, I think they also interviewed uh, Kansas City Chiefs OC as well. So I think those guys, you, should, you know, they they probably do a good job with Trevor Lawrence. So. But, I mean, Bill O'Brien, he did good with Deshaun Watson. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah. And the other I, thing with the NFL, so much of it is who you know. They yeah, may They is. may interview all these guys and then at the end of the day go, well, I've got a buddy that coaches here. And they'll go, yeah, that's fine. Just hire him. <laughs> that's, that's how these yeah. NFL things go sometimes. So, uh, just because he's getting an interview doesn't mean he's got the job by any means. But uh, No. They'll be interviewing plenty of guys. Yeah. Uh, former Texas A&M quarterback Zach Calzada has committed to Auburn. Uh, despite this, Auburn is supposedly still actively searching the transfer portal for additional QB talents, probably in the form of Caleb Williams. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you, you think that this deters Caleb Williams at all from coming to Auburn? I don't think he would see Calzada no, as a threat, do you? <laughs> no. Um, like I said, Calzada is just fine. Um, he had some good and some bad. He still, I think he has some good potential. Um, honestly, like I said, when I heard that he was transferring, I was shocked. I hadn't really heard any news about him thinking about going to Auburn. Um, and it doesn't, honestly, if I was him too, I'd wait and see, since you have so many rumors of Caleb Williams possibly going to Auburn, wait and see what Williams does. Cause then you're like, I mean, cause he, he left Texas and cause he know he knows he wasn't going to win the starting job against the guys that were coming in. Um, cause they have a five-star quarterback coming in. Um, so you know, with Williams coming in, Williams will win the job. He won't have any issues with Calzado or any other guys there. So, 
interesting move by Calzada, especially with the things going on with Caleb Williams. But, hey, you know, <laughs> I'm fine with us still going after Caleb Williams because, I mean, it'd be, a, it'd be an awesome pickup. And it just I think it will look good for the future as well that we can bring in a guy like that. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting. I'm excited to see what happens. But I, I think Calzada has pot- potential, too, if that's who we end up having. Um, I, I see him winning the starting job. Um, so we'll see what happens. And good on Calzada for uh, sticking with the SEC West. Not even. I was not about even to say yeah, conference. Not even living, he'll be playing A and M again uh, next season. So yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of Auburn, the Tigers gymnastics team won their opening meet against North Carolina. Uh, superstar freshman Suni Lee performed on bars and beam as she eased into her college gymnastics career. Uh, she scored a 9.775 on the bar after her feet hit the low bar during a connection, causing a slight deduction, like a tenth of a point, I think. Mm. Uh, she finished with the night's second best score, um, topped only by meet winner Julia Noer from North Carolina. And uh, Drew Watson delivered big. Watson launched her way to a meet winning vault in the late stages of Friday's tri meet. Twisting through the airs, the Tigers twirled up the team's standings. And Auburn won its season opener on the road in dramatic fashion. Nice. So good on uh, Auburn Gymnastics. We'll sure we'll be looking forward to uh, to hearing what Suni Lee and those uh, do as well after Auburn, as I'm sure she'll return to the Olympics or has aims to, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. Uh, in basketball news, though, Auburn won its 11th consecutive game on Saturday, winning by a score of 85-73 to over Florida to improve to 14-1 and this season and 3-0 and in Southeastern Conference games. The Tigers, Justin, I don't know if you realize this, have tied the 1926-1927 team for the ninth longest winning streak in program history. Nice, yeah. Um, it's, it's, like I said, it's, I couldn't have asked for a better start, especially in SEC play, starting 3-0. and um, And some, I'd say, you know, three good opponents. I mean, LSU, who they've beaten now Kentucky and Tennessee, two ranked teams. Um, and Florida, who I think will have a pretty good season. And then South Carolina, who's always, you know, they're out there. They're always pretty decent. So um, I couldn't have asked for a better start. Like I said, I think, I think, Tuesday on the road against Alabama will really tell me a lot about what this team has potential of and what they can do in the SEC and then in the uh, NCAA tournament. Um, but even tonight, I mean, they had a lot of guys that were in foul trouble, who like Kessler, who's the big seven foot uh, one uh, center, who's third in the nation in blocks. Um, he's had a great season. I mean, tonight he fouled out. He only had six points, but. The thing is, the team is just so deep. You had a guy like Katie Johnson. He scored 23 tonight at guard. Off the bench, you got guys like uh, Jalen Williams. Like this, is his, this was his best game of the season so far. He scored 14. And then Wendell Green, he's one of the best players off the bench in the SEC. He scored 13. Um, and then Flanagan was back. He's you know been battling the Achilles, but he was back tonight, and he scored eight. So like this team... Um, I would say probably is better than the team that made it the Final Four run all around. There's just so many different guys that can step up when someone else, one of your star guys, is having an off night. Um, and deep, like I said, I love how the team plays on defense. They play really hard. They're always on the ball. They play fast. Um, so I, this is the most impressive Auburn team I've seen uh, since Bruce Pearl has been there. 
And like I said, the ceiling is very high for this team. But Alabama, you know, that's going to be a tough one on the road. Um, and it has been, you know, past couple of seasons, especially since Nate Oates got there. So I, it'll be it'll tell a lot about this team, especially playing in an environment like that. I mean, Alabama's won double digits at home. I think it's like 17 in a row or something. So um, it'll, it'll be a very good game. But like I said, I'm very impressed with this Auburn team and the start so far. But, I mean, I'll... If they beat Alabama on the road, I'd say they have a very good chance of winning the SEC regular season standings. Um, but once again, you just—it's hard. It, SEC on the road, it doesn't matter who you're playing; it's always going to be a tough game. So it's hard to tell still this early. But I feel pretty good if we're able to beat Alabama on the road. Well, that Alabama Auburn game is going to be at Coleman Coliseum on Tuesday um, at 8 p.m. Central Time. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Alabama. Things did not go as well for them on Saturday. The 15th-ranked Crimson Tide has been upset once again, losing 92-86 to to Missouri. Uh, Bama was a 13-point favorite, and Mizzou was missing a couple of players due to COVID. So this really, Justin, could have been even uglier if the Tigers were at full health. Yeah. You know, Alabama, I think they've beat – I saw a stat, so they've beat – three or four ranked teams, and then have lost to four unranked teams. So it's probably one of the more inconsistent teams that I've seen so far the start this season. Because, like I said, I mean, they could easily beat Auburn on Tuesday, but then, like tonight, uh, they could easily lose to an unranked team. Um, so once again, it just comes down to defense. So they gave up to 92 points to Missouri. You know how many points they were averaging per game coming into this game? Let's see if I can pull I mean. it up. That is the most points they've scored all season. Hmm. was today against Alabama. So I think they're averaging around like 60 to 70 points a game. Yeah, I mean, so, you score 86 points in a college game. Usually you uh, you win that game. Uh-huh. Yeah. So once again, um, I think from what I'm seeing from a lot of people who are watching Alabama basketball, they're just saying they look pretty lackluster on defense. They're not really going after rebounds. Um, so it's just I think it's inconsistent right now. They might – Maybe it's a thing of they're coming into games like, eh, I'm not really amped up for an unranked Missouri team. They're 6-7. and seven. Eh, So what? We should win easily. And then stuff like this happens because, like I said, it's conference play on the road. You just never know. You can't take any team for granted. Um, so it's, it's the inconsistent play right now, and then it's the defensive side of the ball because, like I said, Alabama can score any given night. They have great talent on the offensive side. It's just – can you transition that to defense and play harder on that side of the ball too? And that's tough, uh, especially in basketball. So, um, like I said, they could easily beat Auburn on Tuesday, but uh, it's when you're this inconsistent, it's tough to get a run going because basketball, it's all about runs, especially once you get to the tournament because any team can get on a run once you're playing consistent, ba- uh, consistently good basketball. So, you know, as of right now, it's not been a good start with the inconsistent play, but Still a lot of games left, and we'll see if they can get it going. Yeah, and they still have a lot of talent on that team with uh, Javon Quinterly. He had 19 points. Uh, Jaden Shackelford, he had 17. J.D. Davidson, 13. Keon Ellis, uh, 12. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like you said, it, this team's just got to kind of learn to mesh a little better, I think. Uh, the Tide yep. is now 11-4 and four overall, 2-1 and one in Southeastern Conference play, and we'll see how they uh, – how they look against Auburn. That'll be a quite a challenge for them on Tuesday. That'll be a good one. All right, so before we get into the national championship talk, Justin, we do need to do our classic segment, Twitter news. Mmm, yummy. 
Playoffs? Let's talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. It really doesn't matter what you think. You play to win the game. You play to win the game. All right, Justin, I'm going to try to keep it short on Twitter news this week. I've got five high-quality tweets for you, if you don't mind. Hit them. I see it. All right, this one comes from Southern Mom at Madams3196. Bama has been an underdog three times since 2009, won all three by at least 17 points. See, why why do they keep doing this? It's like they want Alabama to win. Let's make them an underdog again. (laughs) Well, let's hear from the other side. Uh, This is from at Three Year Letterman. Uh, Excuse me, but infants in Alabama attire are going to get barked at by me like any other Alabama fan. I do not engage in age discrimination. The law prohibits that. And no, I don't care that, quote, he was napping and that I've, quote, woken him up and now he's crying. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, The AP Top 25 Twitter account, they posted a poll uh, asking which team will win in this game. The options, there were four options. Alabama wins in a route. Georgia wins in a route, Alabama in a nail-biter, Georgia in a nail-biter. Uh, the top choice was Georgia in a nail-biter, 32%. But if you add up Alabama in a nail-biter and Alabama in a route, they get uh, 59% of the total vote. So it yeah. seems like most people think Alabama will win, and if Georgia does win, it'll be a close game. Yeah. Which is probably fair. That's yeah, kind of how I'm feeling, too. Uh, this comes from at John Tweet Sports. Bama fans confuse disdain for them on this app as disrespect to Alabama's football program. Alabama has the greatest college coach of all time. Alabama has the greatest college football program of all time. I respect it, but you at RTR12747, you can get bent. <laughs> Go dogs. <laughs> I think that's something that all college fans should should think about, though, is that a lot of the times, whenever they get mad at each other, they're not necessarily mad at the program as much as just the talking heads and the, no, the fans just, that it's just, just the yell fans at each other. That usually yeah. Yeah, are the most aggravating. Because, like I said, I I think when it comes to Alabama and Georgia, it's the fans that have a distaste, like a distaste for. Because, like I said, the football programs. Well, I can't really say much about Georgia because they haven't won anything since 1984. But um, Alabama. I mean, like I said, I got I love Nick Saban. He's done a fantastic job. One of the best, the best coach of all time, um, and it's one of the best football programs in the nation, and always will be, and has been for a long time. Um, but it's just it's just because the fans. It's just they're all so stuck up, and it's like you know, like I have something to do with this. I'm a Alabama fan, so uh, I kind of help this program get along. You know, like come on, just be a fan, appreciate <laughs> it, and you know have. Be a little humble, you know. Uh, and I think that's for fans for every program. There's, there's it is. nutcases everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this tweet. Oh was yeah, the Auburn fans tweet. are the worst too, and we have we don't do anything. Every every toxic fan, regardless of what fan base they're from, they have a lot of things in common. Hey, <laughs> I'll just uh, leave I know it this is that. off. T- <laughs> this is kind of off topic, but there's a report that came out of a former, um, I guess, or just coaches out there that were saying, look, it's kind of silly, but it's it's interesting, saying that um, d- 
does the way fan, Auburn fans criticize how harsh they are on players and coaches, does that affect people coming there? And the coach is like, yeah, 100%. You know, a player sees that and they're like, ah, I'm not going to go there because of how the fans are. And two things to this. First, if I'm a player and I already have that soft skin, like I can't take some criticism or I'm, if you're too much focused on what someone is typing on their phone or computer that hurts you too much, then I think you need to look yourself in the mirror and you're not going to be ready for the NFL because it's going to be 10 times worse once you make it, if you make it to the National Football League. Oh, and then yeah. second, um, I mean, I agree. Auburn fans are, you know, they're hard to deal with some of them because a lot of them are flippy floppy. Um, but then again, there's some, like there's players that we, I mean, we love Auburn players that have made a big impact on the program um, and always will be in Auburn tradition. Um, so, but then there are those out there that are like, like I said, with Bo Nix, who, I mean, probably one of the most criticized dudes out there, but I mean, there's a lot of fair criticism, criticism for him because of the way he played and how inconsistent he was and then the leave to go somewhere else. So, you know, there's two sides of the coin to it, but I think it's kind of silly if you're a player and you're going somewhere and if you're too focused on what outsider voices are saying, you know you're not going to be ready for the next level. Yeah, and but I think there is also some fairness to that. Like, you know, I if someone was to say, hey, you can go to Auburn and uh, be possibly hated by your own fan base, or you can go to Michigan State where people are just kind of happy to be there. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> that may, they may yeah. factor into a decision. And that yeah, may and not it depends be, on, uh, it may just depend on the type of player too, you know, what yeah. what's their ceiling, what kind of player they are, so... You know, yeah, I agree with that as well. Well, our last tweet of the day uh, from Michael Casagrande. Georgia defensive lineman Jordan Davis said he wasn't in the proper condition for the first Alabama game. He's mm. going to go run this morning after these interviews, he said. And transfer yeah. portal uh, at, NCAA trans- at NCAA portal, I'm sorry, uh, quote tweeted that. Spring break in three days, so I'm about to hit the gym energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how much. I mean, you can get in pretty good shape within a month, but sure, uh, yeah. there's only there's a ceiling, especially when you're already a collegiate but, athlete and you're already yeah, running all the time anyway. You've already played twelve games on the season going into the SEC championship game, and you're not in shape by then. Yeah, like, uh, what's going on? So come on. <laughs> all right. Well, that was Twitter news, and now it's time for the big. Big money, as you call it, Justin, as you coined. Big money. Come on. All right, Justin, I need you to just shut your big dumb mouth for once in your life because it's, it's time to preview the national championship game. Are you ready? Um, honestly, no. I think I need to go find something else after that harsh <laughs> statement. My gosh. Um, I mean, I, you know, there's a lot of dumb things that do come out of my mouth. Yes, I'll agree yeah. with you. But I didn't expect you to tell everybody else about it, so wow. <laughs> Well, uh, here's the thing that some people consider a big dumb thing to come out of people's mouth. Georgia is <laughs> currently a 2.5 point favorite over Alabama in Indianapolis on Monday night. Yeah. Of course, Alabama won the last meeting in the SEC championship by 17 points, 41 to 24, and has won the six meetings prior to that as well. But now, now Justin, Georgia is upset about it. I guess it took seven straight losses, but now, now they want revenge. I don't know if you've heard <laughs> yeah. of that. 
Yeah, they finally want revenge. You know, it's yeah. only been since when was the last time they beat Alabama? So it's been two thousand seven. Oh, okay, two thousand seven. So it's only taken you uh, just about fifteen years to finally get that. Oh man, Look, I'm, I'm ready to finally beat them. It's time. Six, six straight losses is one thing, Justin, but seven is that's disrespectful. That's too far. They're they're mad. Yeah, about that's it now. way too far. Yeah, like you know what? If you if you beat me six times in a game, ah, that's fine. Whatever. But then if we get on again and you beat me for a seventh time, we're throwing we're throwing hands at that point because that's that's not right. Not seven. Beat, beat me once. I, I, I'm shame on me. Beat me six <laughs> times. It's shame on me. But beat me seven times. Shame I'm on gonna, you. I'm gonna get a little upset about it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, honestly, still surprised they're a favorite. And then the ESPN matchup predictor has Georgia at a 58 percent chance to win. Um, yeah, I I don't know what the numbers are that's factored into this, considering Georgia lost by what was it, fourteen points? Um, so, seventeen, yeah, yeah, seventeen. I, um, I want to see. I wish that they would uh, reveal the statistics that go into these matchup predictors, because I always find them so interesting. But I'm always like, what is this based off of? I, yeah. I guess it says ESPN's football power index, but like. That's vague. Like I want to see the actual numbers of like this is how much this factors. This is, I mean, it doesn't matter. But I, you know, no, it doesn't. It's a bunch of baloney. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Well, um, I guess, I guess my first question is, just Justin, since Georgia lost by seventeen, they're now essentially a three point favorite. Do you think that in the time since December fourth that they are a twenty point better team? <laughs> Um, no, not a 20 point favorite team. When you say it like that, not at all. Um, did they obviously have a great bounce back win against Michigan? Yes, absolutely. They played great. Um, defense was outstanding. Um, Stinson Bennett looked good against a solid Michigan defense. Um, I thought they had some good play calls. He played very well. I don't think he turned it over. Um, the defense created turnovers. Um, yeah, huge turnaround because honestly, I, I, I really thought Michigan would win. I know you said you kind of. I think you had picked Michigan as well, just because Michigan was on a high. They just beat Ohio State, won the Big Ten. They're looking good. Um, so, but let's throw this in here: Is it did Georgia really look good, or was Michigan just so not ready to play and just like mediocre and was like, ah, who cares? We made it to the college football playoffs. That's all we care about. We beat Ohio State. Blech. I think there's a bit of. A bit of both. I think Georgia did look very good, but when you're when you're looking at like the numbers, Georgia didn't play. Georgia didn't put up uh, crazy, uh, very different numbers than he did in the SEC championship. For example, um, so Stetson Bennett threw for 340 yards against Alabama in the SEC title. Uh, he threw for 313 versus Michigan. Yeah, the only uh, thing I he would had say... three touchdowns passes in each. You know, I think yeah. he was. I think he played about the same. Well, um, I would say he played better just because he didn't throw three interceptions. I'll give him that. Yeah, yeah. But see, but you know, going back, some of those interceptions in the SEC championship wasn't his fault. Uh, you know, so it's. I don't know. I mean, yeah, he's got a great top target in uh, Brock Bowers. Uh, he leads the uh, uh, Georgia with fifty-two receptions, eight hundred and forty-six yards, twelve touchdown catches. Crazy for a freshman tight end. Um, but yeah, I just I'm not ready to say that this Georgia team is 20 points better than they were a month ago. I don't. No. 
I, now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they can't come out here and win this game. Um, oh yeah, they can definitely win. Yeah, but the the way they win it has to be different. They can't. They're not going to be able to go out there and score thirty points like they probably. I mean, probably not against like they did George. I'm, I'm sorry, against they like they did against Michigan. Um, yeah. It's going to have to come down to defense and stopping Alabama's uh, run game so that they can. And you know they. Alabama didn't have a crazy run game against them, but they can slow down Alabama's run game to make them a little more one-dimensional and then get some pressure on Bryce Young as they failed to do last time. Maybe then it's a bit of a different game, but it's it, it's going to come down to their defense, how their defense plays. they yeah, got to um, play better than they did. I, I mean, it's crazy that I'm even saying this, but I mean, it would open up a lot on the offensive side considering Alabama's run defense, I think it was they finished like second in the country average uh, yard per carry. Um, but if they can somehow get a run game going, because we know Georgia's O-line is good. They've got really good guys on that O-line. I mean, these, these guys are huge. Um, if they can somehow find – because, I mean, there's been a couple of games where teams have been able to run against Alabama. I think LSU was able to run somewhat well, and Arkansas was. So there's a chance you can run well against Alabama. If they can find that and get that going, that opens up so many possibilities for play action and getting Stinson Bennett, some open guys, especially getting it to their top, their top tight end. So I would I would definitely come out, try to run the ball, see what you can do with it, because you don't want to get away from that. Because then if you start throwing it, you, you're putting yourself in a bad position because Alabama has played Stinson Bennett very well. Um, like I said, he has, what, six turnovers against Alabama in his two games that he's played against them. So um, I would really try hard to run the ball, see what you can get going there. And then, yeah, defensive side, you got to come up with some very good blitz packages and schemes that really – because, we like we've talked about before, uh, Alabama's O-line struggled with picking up different guys if they go on different kind of stunts. I think a lot of times they have troubles – where the, um, the two defensive tackles may cross. One will go one way and one goes the other way. But sometimes they have a hard time picking those up. And then you could just got to send different guys. Maybe send a corner on a blitz, send down the free safety, send him on a blitz, um, delay blitzes, anything to just kind of throw them off. Maybe they're not to pick up a guy. But, I mean, if you make – you can't be as hard-headed to say, I'm going to let Bryce Young stand back there forever and let someone get open and him throw for 400 yards again. You gotta you gotta be able to send pressure, and if he still beats you when you're sending pressure, so be it. And if and don't let Jameson Williams beat you either. If you have to, double cover him, put two guys on him, let somebody else from Alabama beat you. Because like we've talked about before, Georgia's already thin in the second secondary. They struggle there. That's been their weak point on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so get pressure on Bryce Young. That's the only way you have a chance. If you don't, forget about it. It'll be over after the first half. So. Well, while we're on the topic of kind of weaknesses, and I guess if we're looking at this through a Georgia lens, how Georgia could find a way to win this, let's let's kind of go through, and then we'll go through Alabama's lens, how they can win this game. But let's start out with how we think that Georgia could win this game. I think there's there's really probably three main weaknesses that that Georgia needs to address in Alabama's game plan, or not game plan, but uh, you know, team. Uh, yeah. So. You know, this is a younger Alabama team. Uh, they are a somewhat flawed team at times. Sometimes, yeah. you know, this hasn't felt like it recently. But, you know, they, there are some some 
actual issues with this Alabama team. Uh, you know, obviously one of their weaknesses is the running game. You know, Brian Hart, Brian Robinson ran for 301 yards in the Cotton Bowl, but the Tide were only 10th in the SEC in rushing uh, yards yeah. per game this season prior. So if Georgia can shut down the run game like they basically did the last time, Alabama becomes a little closer to a, a one-dimensional team. I still wouldn't call them one-dimensional, but no, yeah, uh, they're a little closer to that. Uh, Bama's secondary can struggle at times, too. Uh, yep. The Tide ranks 54 in the nation in pass efficiency defense. That's you know not ideal, not something typical of a Alabama defense because Nick Saban coaches the secondary or you know uh, does a lot of work with the secondary himself. Yeah. Uh, but you know the most notable uh, issue with the Tide at times this season has been the offensive line. So, yeah. like you said repeatedly over the last few weeks, Justin, uh, Alabama's offensive line struggles against any kind of blitz-heavy defenses. Uh, Georgia did not take advantage of that the first time around, but you know I I expect to see a little more of that this this go around. So hey, if if Georgia sacks Bryce Young five more times, Georgia will win. And and they had no sacks on Bryce Young. They had in the, zero in the last sacks. Game. Yeah, zero. So yeah, if, I think if they sack him five more times, they they will win the game. Um, you just got to because you can make him uncomfortable. He's still a young quarterback. This is his first full season starting. Um, and there's still going to be plenty of chances for him to become uncomfortable, and there's things he still hasn't seen. So, Cincinnati made him and, uncomfortable. Yeah, they did. I mean, like he only—I I mean, he didn't have to throw the ball much because running running game was so successful. But yeah, he only threw for 180 yards, through interception. Um, but yeah, and any there's a lot of blitzes. Yeah, he was throwing off the back, back off his back feet, overthrown passes, underthrown passes. Um, so yeah, I mean. If Cincinnati can do it, Georgia has no excuse for not making Bryce Young feel a little bit uncomfortable and having some good blitzes against them. Um, but if they sack him five more times, they will win the game. Well, let's let's look at this, I guess, now from the Alabama perspective, how they can win this game. I mean, obviously, they have Heisman Trophy winner Bryce Young uh, back there. He Against the Georgia in the SEC Championship, he threw for 421 yards, three touchdowns added 40 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Uh, Jamison Williams, like you said, he's his number one target, uh, and he was in the Georgia game too. He got uh, seven passes for 184 yards and a couple touchdowns. But I guess if we're looking at the weaknesses of this Georgia team, it's it's also its defensive secondary. Uh, it is. And like yeah. we said, in the championship, Bama threw for 332 yards on them. Yeah. Um, the defensive line looked you know, exhausted by really the second quarter. Uh, yeah. No sacks on Bryce Young. That's a, that's an issue. If you can't even get pressure on him, that, that's a bit of an issue. <laughs> yeah, you have um, no chance. Some more disadvantages Georgia has here. I mean, they're they're facing the best head coach and the best quarterback in the nation, uh, as well as they're going to be fighting this own mental block they have against playing Alabama. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. you get down a couple touchdowns, and you're probably going to think, oh, well, this is just another hey. Alabama loss. You know, you got to be able to fight through that. and. Also, did the losing streak start when they tried to do the blackout against Alabama? Yes, yes, it did. Okay. Two thousand eight. Yep. So it's all because of that stupid blackout. <laughs> they're in this losing streak right now. So that's the mental block right now. If they wouldn't have done that, acting like they're the they're the t- I mean, we're going to blackout, man. We're going to do these new jerseys. We're, yeah, real smart. Now you started a seven game losing streak. And the, probably the biggest thing going against Georgia and for Alabama is that Alabama's just peaking at the right time. Like that. 
They've, yeah. they've come together. They're really playing their best ball. And we haven't seen enough out of Georgia to know that. I mean, they played good against Michigan, but they didn't look good against Alabama. So it's... No. Um, yeah, I mean, Alabama, of course, you know, they turn it up right at the right time because, I mean, that Alabama team against Auburn, I just think, uh, I mean, Alabama wouldn't even be in this situation. Maybe they still would. I don't know. Um, if they lose that game to Auburn, we're not even talking about this. We're talking about someone else playing the national championship. So um, the fact that they were able to sneak by that one, you know, really helped them out. And, of course, gave them some confidence to play against Georgia and then, you know, easily beat Cincinnati. So, um, I mean, they're playing their best football right now. Um, of course, there's still – you always got to worry, though. Are they, are they going to have one of those games that they had against LSU, Arkansas, or Auburn, or A&M? Um, and maybe Georgia's able to, because we've talked about this, it's so hard to beat a team twice in the same season because the team that loses, they're able to bounce back and say, hey, this is what we did wrong. This is what we're going to do the next game to fix that. This is where we're going we're gonna to attack them next time. And we're going to be able to make um, adjustments and win the football game. Um, so, but the way that game... <laughs> The way how uh, Alabama won, how easily it was, you know, it's hard to say that Georgia can win, but you know, I'm still I'm teeter tottering because I think Georgia can win because they can bounce back, make adjustments, but then I can see Alabama winning because it's it's Nick Saban. He knows what Georgia's probably going to try to make adjustments on. He's going to have the team ready to play. Um, so it's it's a fifty fifty game. Yeah, and we can look back to 2011 when LSU just barely beat Alabama in the regular season. Alabama came back in the national championship and LSU yeah. only passed the 50 yard line. What once that yeah. game? <laughs> that was so miserable. It's not, a, it's not uncommon for these games hey. to be close or lopsided in the and, first time around. And then, you know, the, go the other way the second time. Then you also got cases like Oregon and Utah this year where Utah yeah. just, just destroyed them twice. So it, it's twice, hard to, yeah. it's hard to tell. And it's hard to gauge what that rematch really means to teams until the game is over because... Yeah. I mean, I could possibly see a scenario where we go back to 2017 where Auburn whipped Georgia and then Georgia came back SC Championship and destroyed Auburn. Um, I mean, I don't see a Georgia destroying anybody, but just saying I could see them bouncing back and winning the game and making the right adjustments. Um, but then I also can't see that because Georgia lost. They were on the road. It was a tough environment that day, and then they came back at a neutral site and were able to take care of business. But with this scenario, Georgia lost a neutral site, and they're playing at another neutral site. So, you know, it's tough in those scenarios as well. But, you know, it's possible. I think Georgia can win the game, but only if you're able to put pressure on Bryce Young. I think the offense can succeed. Um, If Stinson Bennett played like he did against Michigan, sure, I think they can have some success. But if he plays like he has against Alabama, no, they have no chance. It'll just be the same game that we had in the SEC championship. So, well, I've got I, the. I think, uh, I think it'll be a lot better this go around. Yeah, I think it'll be more competitive as well. Uh, I've got the uh, Alabama's history as an underdog since 2008 here in front of me. I'll go through it very quickly. Six, six games, uh, 2008 against Clemson ended up being a 34 to 10 win. 2008 against Georgia, that was a blackout game. Uh, 41 to 30 win 2008 against Florida. This is the only time out of these six games that Alabama loses 31 to 20. Um, 
And in 2009, Alabama's an underdog. They win 32 to 13. 2015, Alabama's an underdog against Georgia. They win 38 to 10. And of course, this year against Georgia, 41 to 24. So a lot of the times when Alabama's an underdog, it's not close. I, I, but I do think this time it probably will be closer. Yeah. Um, I agree. So let's. I've got a, I've got a few questions before we make our final prediction, but. Justin, what do you really anticipate seeing from this game? We talked about what we should see, what we think we might see, but what do you actually think is going to happen? I mean, I really want to think that um, Georgia's going to come out and they've made their adjustments. Kirby Smart, um, Adam, they've really gone through film. They've looked at what they need to do and what's going to work and really looked at what Alabama struggled at this season and seeing how they can attack it. I mean, I think that can happen because Kirby Smart is a good coach, but it's like when it comes to these moments, it just like he shuts down and doesn't know what the heck to do anymore. Um, so I, I I think Georgia can do it. I think they really can because I think the loss kind of settled them in. I think it's going to be beneficial for them. Um, so I, I, I honestly think that Georgia can win this game and will win a close one. I mean, maybe you can call me, I'm probably an idiot. I'm spitting out a bunch of garbage because how can I pick Georgia again? Cause I picked them in the SEC championship. Like a lot of other people did at the time. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, we all did. We all thought Georgia was going to win that game yeah. out. Right. Um, you know, I can't believe I'm going to go against Nick Saban again, but it's like, I have a hard. It's just so hard beating a team twice in a season, um, especially with a team that has so much talent like Georgia does, who's all top five in recruiting the past few seasons. They have so many five star players on that team, um, and they have the ability to match up with Alabama and can beat them. So I think they can, um, but then you know I'm not surprised if Alabama wins. You know pretty easily as well, but. I, I think uh, Georgia will win. Um, you want me to go ahead and throw out a score for you as well? Well, we'll get to that in just a minute. But uh, I guess before we do that, let's 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 assume the flip side happens. Let's assume that Alabama, and I guess we can do a scenario. I don't think it really matters, but I guess we can do a scenario whether Alabama wins close or it's a beatdown. But either way, if Alabama wins this game, how do you believe Georgia and Kirby Smart will be viewed? if they lose again to Saban mm. in Alabama. Because I think this will be nobody's on the hot seat, obviously. I'm not I'm not trying to say that. But I think this will it could sour the way that a lot of people look at Kirby Smart and at Georgia. Um, and yeah. I, I think I think they would definitely be looked at as Alabama light, but definitely not on oh, the same yeah. level as Alabama. Um I agree. I um I think if Kirby Smart loses again and especially if they get handled and they get destroyed like the first game, um, I think you really have to start looking at, okay, what is this guy not getting? What is he not doing? Because you can't make the excuse of, well, you know what, they're more talented than us. No, I, they're not. You have, no. <laughs> both not. have equal not. talent of yeah. athletes on both teams. This mm-hmm. is motto e motto. These guys are both five stars, five stars, both teams. You can't make that excuse. It comes down. It it's going to come down to you're not a good enough coach. You're not getting in a good game plan. You're not getting the players ready to play. Um, 
it comes it's going to come down to Kirby Smart. It's why if especially if Stinson Bennett struggles again, why are you still fooling around with this guy when you got JT yeah. Daniels on your bench? I know. Okay, I, look, I get it. He's had some good games here and there. But you already know he struggled against Alabama. Do you really want him struggling a third time against Alabama? Um, we've already known he struggled with quarterbacks in the past, especially with Justin Fields and having him on the bench when Jake Fromm was struggling. Um, so it's I, I would be a little concerned that you know he can beat everybody else, but when it comes down to the games that matter the most against Alabama, you know, and then the second national championship he's been to, and he's playing Alabama again, I know it, it's tough. But at some point, you've got to be able to overcome this hurdle because you've got the talent. You've got plenty of talent coming into that program that can compete with Alabama. So it's it comes down to coaching at that point. So, yeah, if I'm a Georgia fan, I'm of course I'm concerned. I'm not upset because look where Georgia is now. We're competing in the SEC championship basically every season now because of how weak the East is. Right. Um, and we're winning double-digit uh, – we're having double-digit double digit wins every season. So – I can't be upset with that, but the fact that I'm getting here and I can't finish, that's always an issue as well. So I've definitely, they'll be looking at that um, when you've had plenty of opportunities to get over this hurdle and you still can't. Um, there's definitely something that's not right there. Well, I, yeah, and I agree. I mean, if, yeah, if they lose this game, it's going to be, there's going to be some questions that will have to be addressed because. They do great, typically, in the regular season, but whenever there is a title on the line, they, they kind of choke. So, you know, maybe he changes that narrative Monday, but if he doesn't, yeah, I mean, there's, there's going to be some very valid criticism against Kirby Smart uh, and his inability to bring championships to uh, Athens, Georgia. Yeah. But let's get into our final predictions, Justin. Uh, let's keep in mind that the over-under is 52 you don't have to necessarily base yours off of that. Just giving you that information up front. Um, so I know you think that Georgia, that Georgia may pull it out in a close one. What do you think that score could look like if they were to okay. do that? Okay, I can't believe I'm doing it, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Georgia again. I think they'll make the right adjustments. Um, I think I could see it to where they could uh, target Alabama's weaknesses, and we could see them, you know, have some struggles. But, it, yeah, it, it'll be a very back and forth, and it'll be close. But I see Georgia winning 27-24. Okay, 27-24. Yeah, I think that's a pretty realistic uh, score. Like we said, Georgia's not going to go out there and win a shootout. They're going to have to no, limit Alabama. So if they if they find a way to win it, it that's that's how they're going to do it. Um, and, I, you know, I don't even know that I would feel comfortable um, – you know, with Georgia being able to score that many. But, you know, they have throughout the season, uh, particularly against Michigan. They're not bad uh, on offense. They got some players. So, and Alabama's yeah. secondary, of course, like we said, is is uh, is iffy. So, yeah, I think, that, I think that's um, a, a realistic score, possibly, if Georgia was to pull this off. I'm going the other way, though. I think Alabama uh, will win this. I just uh, said I just don't buy – it's hard for me to pick against Nick Saban. It's even harder for me to pick for Kirby Smart in the title yeah. game. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to have to go Alabama. And I do think it will be close. And I don't think it's dissimilar from your score. But um, I'm going to go, uh, I'll say, 32. No, I'm sorry. I'll say 31, Alabama, 
and 27, Georgia. Okay. So a close one. Yeah. Uh, essentially, essentially the same score as yours. Uh, yeah. So I, hey, Georgia defense five plus sacks and an interception too to put on there. You need some turnovers because I don't think Alabama had any turnovers. Um, then yeah, they win the game. They they'll win the game. But you can't you can't put any pressure. Forget about it. Forget that score I said because it won't even be close. Yeah. Well, it's one of us, if not all of us, always look like a fool the next week after our score predictions. So, and that's why we do them. It's fun and it's dumb and it doesn't matter. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, we don't know what the heck we're talking about. <laughs> Nobody does. I mean, there's no, no way to guess any of this. It's a bunch of 18 to 22 year olds playing football. There's no way to guess this. Yeah. Stuff, you don't know what really. the heck could happen. College yeah. players, it's the most, yeah, majority of them are very inconsistent. You don't know what you're going to get from a lot of them. Because yeah. I mean, it's called. You got so many things going on, um, so yeah. I mean, you don't know what could happen, especially in a game like this. So, but you know, this is that's our best guess. We'll give you our best guess. Hmm. Good thing we don't we, <laughs> we don't really um or med- well. I guess you could you could compare us to a meteorologist. They put their best guess out there a lot of times. Yeah. It's fifty yeah. fifty. They probably use a little more data than we do, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're just you know we're just. Throwing, basically, we're getting a dart. We're just throwing it against the wall. Hopefully, it hits something right, you know. <laughs> also, nobody, please nobody use any of our our guesses to, like, make bets or anything. Don't do that. Cause oh, no. We're, <laughs> we no, 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 no. We're not. We don't, we don't go, go talk to a betting specialist. So we're, not, we're not those guys. <laughs> no. Yeah, and don't go and say, um, you know, this is what I think because uh, uh, Nick and Justin, they said this on their podcast, you know, so... They know what they're talking about. Don't do that either, because you probably look like a fool. So, just come up with your own valid opinion. Yeah, you know, we're just yeah. saying what we think in you know in our ha- in our heads and our hearts. This is what could happen, but we don't know what the heck we're talking about. <laughs> well, uh, Justin, if you don't mind, it's time for Night Needs to Know. Night needs to know. Probably with some of the stuff you've done before, uh, I probably wouldn't be surprised. You wouldn't be surprised okay. if I put ashes <laughs> in cookies and fed them to you? Yeah, because it was someday for the SEC again. That, that might make sense then. I guess just back to Yeah, I would like to know how it makes sense. Now this is looking like a bad idea. Mm, yeah, I just have one question. Um, All right, let so, me and it's, about, it's just about Auburn and transfer. Do you really think any chance Caleb Williams would go to Auburn? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, sure. I, he's got to go somewhere, right? So it's uh, so, okay. Let me. The, yeah, let me ask you this. So throw that in there. Why go to Auburn when you don't really have a good O line and there's not a developed wide receiver core? Yeah, I. I mean, I guess if you're, if I'm Caleb Williams, honestly, I'm probably not going to Auburn. But no, yeah. I understand why you would want to. There's a lot of eyes on the SEC, obviously. Um, you get plenty of coverage. Everybody's going to see you. So if you think you can stand out, that's just uh, more NFL teams that's probably going to have their eye on you. Uh, additionally, you've got the addition of um, the Seahawks quarterback coach. I'm sorry, I can't. His name is blanking Aust- me right now. Austin Davis. Austin Davis. He um, he has obviously worked with Russell Wilson, one of the best to do it. <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, that helps. Yeah, so, I mean, this guy, obviously, he's going to have experience. He is a quarterback guy. So, if I'm a quarterback, I'm definitely looking at that and saying, 
well, if he's good enough for Russell Wilson, he's probably good enough for me, right? So, it's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, there are some, some definitely some valid reasons to go there, especially you're going to have Tank Bigsby right there behind you, toting the rock, uh, yeah. giving you some breaks here and there, uh, helping defend you whenever you drop back to pass sometimes. So, you know, yeah, I mean, there's, there's plenty of reasons to go to Auburn if you're Caleb Williams, but... You know, he's looking at 52 other schools or whatever and trying to decide yeah. which one's the best fit. So, uh, no, I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he ended up there. I think, I don't think that the addition of Calzada necessarily uh, pushes him away from going to Auburn, no. but I, I don't think it necessarily helps either. You know, that is another guy who's, you know, who was a starter at an SEC school. Um, yeah. So, you know, you make a couple bad throws, maybe you get benched. Whereas if you go, you know, somewhere else that needs a quarterback, maybe that doesn't happen. So I understand the reasons for and against it, but uh, yeah, I could definitely see him going to Auburn. Well, thank you for that. That's all I needed to know. Well, thank you, Justin. Thank you. Because, man, if we were to get him, I'm a happy happy boy. Yeah, as you should be. That'd be a a great get. I mean, when you think about Auburn offense – it's a quarterback that is usually mobile. Uh, when yep. you think about Cam, he can run the ball well. Nick Marshall ran the ball well. So Caleb Williams can run the ball very well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's it's always fit Auburn when we have successful seasons. So it'd be a great fit. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like Auburn, with the addition of uh, Austin Davis, is trying to capture that Joe Brady lightning in a bottle yes. find find a guy yeah. who is very comfortable with coaching quarterbacks as well as an offense and get him in to kind of pull it all together so not a bad yeah. strategy at all so uh well justin it is time for some mismanagers hey and now it is time for mismanagers the headline of this article by mashable is oh no construction workers find a bunch of teeth inside a wall Oh my gosh, that's horrifying. Wait, what? Student says she gave cookies containing grandfather's ashes to classmates. Why would you ever tell someone that? Angry Seal helps Australian police bust drug smuggling ring. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Justin, I've got just three short stories for you today. Three short, lovely stories. All right, let's hear them. What you got? Uh, a professor in Japan has created a prototype TV screen that you can lick to taste a particular food. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it works by spraying flavors on a film that rolls over the TV. And uh, that sounds like it would make your TV blurry, but maybe not. I was about to say, it doesn't sound like uh, your TV would be looking too good after that. <laughs> While such a product might seem uh, misguided during a global pandemic, Meiji University professor Hemiya Miyashita I'm sure I butchered that, and I apologize. <laughs> Sees it differently. Uh, the goal is to make it possible for people to have the experience of something like eating at a restaurant on the other side of the world, even while oh staying at gosh. home, he said. Uh, the commercial version, he said, could be made for about $875. See, would you, how would, terrible. Would you ever want that, even for the Heck novelty? No. What if it was no. a free Christmas present? I mean, a free Christmas present, I would try it, but then I don't think I want it. Um, <laughs> it sounds terrible. It's like we've gotten to a point in society now where we're like, well, I guess, you know, we're just going to stay at home and let me eat my 
fake food. Let me just get the taste of it. Mm, yeah, I love that spray that's coming out from the TV. Oh, yeah, it tastes like uh, yeah, steak. Ooh, mashed potatoes. Mm, maybe some carrots. Oh, yeah. And I know this, Sounds... is made, this is made for food, but is there other tastes? Like if, if like, Chris Pratt's on my TV, is there a Chris Pratt flavor? Like, what is happening? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Because there's going to be some people wanting some weird stuff out of this. Yeah, there's probably going to be those weird people that, you know, just lick random things. that have some obsession with they just lick random things. Like, um, uh, or maybe it could be like uh, like Elf, where he just goes around and he takes the bubble gum <laughs> off from the railings. And so you get a bubble gum flavor every time you get a taste. And that thing sprays out from the TV. Like is there a, is there like a wet dog? If I'm watching Marley and me and he's running through the puddle, is there a wet dog flavor? <laughs> and just it just sprays right at you, and you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> mm, this does taste like a, a little wet too dog. realistic. Num num num. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's it's weird. I'm gonna say it's a little weird. It's a little too. Um, it feels almost like we're getting we're getting so close to the point of we're gonna be we're gonna get in our little um, like robot system. We're just gonna lay back. We're gonna have this little VR. And it's going to connect us to some other robot body. And we're just going to be laying in this all day. And we'll let the robot do all the work. That's what's going to happen one day. (laughs) Uh, This is another very good story. Uh, When Olivia Crump tried to leave her apartment in uh, Milledgeville, Georgia, on December 28th, she was surprised to find a crucial structure missing. The stairs to the ground floor. Oh, (laughs) nice. Crump said the management company did not notify her about the stairs being removed for construction. Uh, <laughs> it was impossible to get down without climbing over the ledge with a ladder or scaling the side with a decent drop below, she said. She and her dog were trapped in the apartment for about four hours, during which the dog almost had an accident. While Crump doesn't plan any legal action, she did note that the absence of stairs could be a fire hazard, and she hopes the management sure. company will compensate tenants for putting them in a dangerous situation. Yeah, that's very inconsiderate to just have your stairs taken away in the middle of the day. For four yeah, I mean, hours. you're just going out. You need to go out to the store, walk your dog, and then all of a sudden you don't have any stairs to go down to. Uh, it's, I'd say, a little, a little strange. And but I mean, four hours at least it wasn't too bad. I, I was thinking it was going to be like weeks or something that they couldn't get <laughs> out. Um, but yeah, their one, her one worry was, um, my dog was about to have an accident. Like, come on, there's bigger things you could worry about. Um, while you're stuck up there, but yeah, four <laughs> at least it was only four hours up. I mean, if it was a week or so, yeah, I'm suing for sure. I'm like, what the <laughs> heck's going on here? Yeah. Uh, the last story is my favorite. Uh, two transport transport trucks full of butter went missing from Trenton, Ontario, in Canada, on December 26th. Uh, each of the trucks was loaded with about twenty thousand kilograms of butter, worth about two hundred thousand dollars total. The Ontario Provincial uh, Police said while the trucks were found on December 27th, the contents were missing, which begs the question, (laughs) when will the cookies be ready? Where do do you steal $200,000 worth of butter, and who do you sell it to? Uh, This is like... Who who are you selling it to that quickly? Like They must have been planning this, like, hey, look, I'm going to have a truck, $200,000 worth of butter right here, okay? I'm going to hook you up. All the cookies you need, um, any cake, whatever, whatever you need. I got all the butter that's going to last you for a really, really long time. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know who he's talking to or who's setting him up with this and, kind of deal, but he knows. I guess he knows some people. Have yeah. they caught the guy? 
no, they don't. They don't know what happened. They just know the trucks <laughs> were there, then they weren't, and then they were there without the butter. That's all. How do you know. lose that much butter? How do you lose all that? I don't know. I I just want to know what this butter black market is. Who's in it? Who's butter, buying this butter? Butter black market. And how much are they selling it for? Did they get two hundred grand? Surely not. No, there's <laughs> no way. No way. Yeah. That's crazy to me. I mean, good on him, though. I mean, that's smart that he's he's gotten away with this. But we have no idea. I mean, yeah, he's able to no. get rid of all this butter. No, and it's been a while. December 26th was a while ago. <laughs> I still don't, I still don't yeah. know. Yeah. Good, good on him. Hey, Jay, way to go. <laughs> yeah, for real. Uh, the Butter Bandits. The Butter Bandits. I like it. All right. Well, we do have a letter uh, this week. Nice. Uh, okay. What we got? This week's letter comes from Grant on the Facebook page. Uh, if you hey, would like Grant. to reach the show, you can do so at TGM Pod at uh, Facebook, like Grant did, or you can email us at GameManagersPod at gmail.com. Uh, Grant says, Hey guys, what are your game day traditions? Do y'all do anything special for the big games like the National Championship? And have you ever watched an Iron Bowl game together as you're fans of different teams? Mm. Hmm. Uh, I guess we'll start with the game day traditions. Yeah, what what are your what what's your game day traditions, Justin? Um, usually it's been growing up that this is my first year, kind of since me and my wife got married August first. But um, when we've kind of kept up the same thing, it's usually, you know, I'm we're cooking. We're, uh, my dad's usually grilling out. We're eating something good, maybe pork or we're eating ribs, making NECA, uh buffalo chicken dip. We're usually eating something good, but like. Like, it depends on the game, too. Like, LSU, we've always done the tradition of we're eating gumbo and uh, jambalaya. Um, uh, some games, a lot of times we're doing burgers and dogs. But, yeah, I, I always, game days are always a lot of fun. I mean, it's, especially it was growing up as a kid, too. It's, we went to a lot of games growing up and uh, been able to go to the Tiger Walk and Tumor's Corner. That was always a lot of fun. But, yeah, it's usually, we're we're always eating good food. We're grilling something out. Um but I mean, it's always a lot of fun leading up to the game. I, my favorite, I, this is kind of surprising, but probably my favorite games are the eleven o'clock because I don't have to wait all day for the game. If Auburn's playing at eleven, I love it, or eleven or two thirty because I hate waiting all day for the night games. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's probably our our traditions is just eating good food and um, hanging out with family, and it's I always. Usually, I, this this year when we were on a Auburn had a little bit of win streak going too. I I had the same shirt every Saturday. It was going to be the same Auburn shirt, and, but then we went on a losing streak and nothing was working. So I don't really know what to do at this point. I'm pretty superstitious about things. Um, still haven't found the right thing. Um, hopefully this next season I'll find the right shirt. And once we start winning and get a win streak going, it's gonna it's coming on every Saturday. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, we're pretty similar. My, I use I like to watch the games with people, so usually I have uh, like some family over or friends or whatever. I like I like to kind of be able to hear other people's opinions about the game and talk to people and stuff. So I like it when I'm able to watch it with others. So um, recently for the postseason Alabama games, uh, my dad and uncle and uh, some of my friends that live nearby and stuff they come over and hang out. We'll we'll get a pizza or whatever and, and watch. But, uh, now the other question was, do we do anything special for the net? Like big games? I, we do the same stuff. Cause like you said, we're yeah. kind of superstitious, so we don't want to mess it up and 
but I mean, crazy party. (laughs) Coming from an Auburn fan, I don't really have many big games. You know, not many big games for Auburn fans, especially playoffs, since we haven't even made it to the playoffs. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, but I mean, we do the same thing. We're still watch. I'm still watching the playoff games in the national championship, no matter what, because I love watching the games. But yeah, it's basically the same thing. It's just you know we're cooking out, we're eating some good food. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to make it to the playoff because man, I'm gonna be nervous as heck whenever <laughs> we do finally make it to one. It's gonna be huge. It'll be it'll be a big day. Uh, and the last question Grant had was, have you ever watched an Iron Bowl together? Since we're fans of different teams, I don't think we have. Uh, we're constantly no. we're constantly texting the whole time. Yeah, um, we're usually talking throughout. I mean. Let's see. We we uh we got to let's see. We met each other in sixteen. So, I mean, we had a good game in seventeen. We we're probably talking, texting throughout that one. Uh, Nineteen was pretty crazy. I know we we're talking about that one. Yeah. Um, since that one was pretty back and forth. But even yeah, this past one too, we we're texting back and forth because there are plenty of times you said it was over, and I kept saying, "Ain't no way. We're, <laughs> it's nowhere close to being over." And but a lot of people there, probably don't realize we don't we don't record this typically record this together either there's been some times that we have but we we live about what would you say an hour some change apart from each other so yeah i'd say about hour 15 yeah so we usually we'll usually get together watch a couple games a year together you'll usually come to my house once i'll come to your house once during the season yeah um and we'll watch some games or whatever but but yeah most of the time we uh we're just we're still talking the entire time and texting oh yeah what have you so well, all right. Well, I think that just about wraps up everything. Yeah, thank uh, you. Th- that was Grant, you said? Yeah, thank you, Grant. Yeah, by the way. Thank, thank you, Grant. You. Great question. Uh, next week, we will be, we'll do it, because it's going to be so long after the national championship, we'll just kind of quickly review it. Then we're going to yeah. probably, we'll probably preview the NFL playoffs. Um, dive probably a little deeper into college basketball than we have recently. And the week after yeah, that, we'll do we our uh, TGMEs awards show, which is. That's always my uh, favorite always episode a lot of, of the year. Yeah. And usually our biggest. Uh, yeah, outside of the Iron Bowl, usually our biggest. So. Yep. Well, all right. Justin, you want to bring us home then? Hey, hope you all have had a great start to the new year. Uh, hey, 2022 is going to be the year. We're going to get a bounce back here right here. We're, we're, uh, we're going to hit the mountain. We're coming up. We're going to have a great, we're going to have a great ride. Here we go. We're on it. You talking to Auburn fans or just, just in general, everybody? Just in general, but also Auburn fans. <laughs> hey, keep <laughs> <laughs> keep keep the trust we got it we're gonna do it we're gonna we're gonna hit it we're gonna hit the we're finally gonna hit a groove here we're gonna make it hey we're gonna have a good season but yes right. for everybody 2022 it's gonna be a good year but hey if you want to check out more of this podcast check us out tgm pod check us out on facebook instagram twitter you can check out the game um easy website to go and access we list to the podcast there check out articles that have been written you can get access to merch great shirts my friends Great shirts. You mm. got to go and get them. Beautiful. I mean, so silky smooth. Soft as uh, a baby's bottom, but even yeah, softer. It's, I mean, you will love these shirts. I guarantee it. So go get some of those uh, shirts. And uh, yeah, keep checking us out. Like I said, we've also got the Rank Podcast. Uh, we just did, a, uh, what was it, 2008 we did? Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, we just did 2008, which was a great year of sports. Um, if you want to go back and listen to what 2008 was or any other year that we've done, check out the Rank Podcast. It's a great podcast. It's very short. won't take much. It's you know, 15, 20 minutes. We get into it. We just talk about big events from the uh, the year that we cover. 
And that'll uh, be linked. Yeah. That'll be linked below as well too. If you want to check it that sure out, it sure will. Um, but yeah, thank you all for listening. Uh, I hope you all enjoy the game on Monday. Um, I'm hoping it's going to be a good one. Um, and yeah, good luck to you, Georgia and Alabama fans out there. Um, I'll just be sitting back and watching the same old sadness and just <laughs> just be my same depressed hmm. self. At least this year, I can't say that we beat Georgia and Alabama, and I have to watch them play for the national championship. They beat us. So it feels a little bit better, but 17 was really tough to watch, just knowing that we beat those teams at some point in the season. Then I have to watch them play each other. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was, was that was a tough time for you, yeah. But hey, y'all have a great uh, rest of your weekend. Enjoy the game on Monday. Be safe. And we'll see y'all next week. All right. See you later, everyone. War Eagle anyways. Blue 42! Blue 42! Hut! Hut! Hike! Thank you for listening to the Game Managers Podcast. Please remember to like and subscribe. Goodbye, adios, and sayonara.